Okay, I believe we are live. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Stock Talk episode number 17, streaming to you live from New York City and Canada. How's everyone doing this morning? Nice to see you guys in the chat. Already got some good hellos from Kevin, Vijay, um, and Sarah. Great to see you guys every week. Daniel, I think you have a little announcement for us. What's uh, what's going on with you this year? You traveling? Yes. So the announcement is that this is going to be probably the last Stock Talk live stream that's scheduled on a Saturday for now, because next week I will be in Thailand, and I have no idea what my schedule is going to look like or when I'm going to be able to live stream. So yeah, if you're if you're a viewer of our live streams, then just like stay tuned, I guess, and we'll try to we'll try to announce what that's going to look like while I'm traveling. But I do plan on, you know, sticking with the live streams while I'm traveling. So just wanted to shout that out. Well, uh, wish you a farewell on your trip. Uh, you know, you guys are going to have a great time, you and Shelby out there. And your mug is awesome, by the way. Uh, cat. Let, let Daniel know if you like his cat mug in the chat. <laughs> but yeah, we will be posting all of the live streams, of course, to our channel. So if you miss them, because we won't be planning them too far in advance, you could always catch them there. Hey, good to see you, Blizzy from Germany. Uh, Shout out to Blizzy. He is in our Discord a lot. So if you're not in there, it's free. Uh, you can continue the conversation there. But today's going to be a really fun show. We're going to talk about EVs, specifically Tesla and BYD. There is a lot of buzz around those stocks. We're going to talk about uh, the meme stocks a little bit. Basically, what what happened to the meme stocks? Where, where did they go? Uh, we're not surprised, but definitely want to talk about it. And of course, we will also be talking about your stock. So stay tuned. And we always like to take suggestions from the chat. Anything, Daniel, before we hop into it, I prepared a little doc for us to kind of guide talking points around the Tesla BYD. Um, nope. I just want to say that our audience right now is tuning in from all over the world, which is crazy. So that is awesome. But no, let's just get right into it. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you guys coming every week. It's truly incredible to be able to just talk about things we really like, which is stocks. We're a bunch of stock nerds, and we know you guys are too. So really appreciate the support. Uh, Daniel, let me know if my screen's looking good from your side. So... I posted a TikTok. This is not meant to be too much of a shameless plug, but most of them don't go anywhere, but there seems to be a lot of buzz around Tesla and BYD. Specifically, this video was calling out how the stock was crashing, and I was very surprised and overwhelmed by the amount of people that started chirping about the stock called BYD. Daniel, have you heard of BYD before in the EV space? Yeah, so they're, they've been around for a long time, and I, I believe they're like China's number one electric vehicle manufacturer or make or whatever. And they're also involved in quite a few other different technologies, if I am remembering this correctly. Interestingly, Berkshire Hathaway is invested in BYD. They have been since 2008. And Charlie Munger is the one who decided to invest in BYD. He was the one who made the, the final call. And the reason he invested in the company, they wanted to buy 50% of it. But the CEO and the founder was like, no, I'll give you 25%. Like, I'm not giving you 50% of the company. But um, Charlie Munger was like, I think this, I think this company is incredible, like going to change the world basically and thought the CEO was incredible. And yeah, they, they bought 25% of the company all the way back in 08. So Interesting. yeah. And so well, they were up back, big. Charlie Munger all the way back in 2008 was saying that he thought electric vehicles were going to be either the future. I, I don't know exactly what he said, but it was like either the future or a really big, they were going to play a really big role. So he saw that all the way back in 2008 and invested in the company. Yeah. Well, it looks like that investment's doing pretty well for them. Yeah, so far. Yeah. It's up 1,500. They've, they've more than 10x their money on that investment so far. 
And it is absolutely crushing the spy. So, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, once again, uh, Charlie Munger showing us who's boss, honestly. What's what's also interesting is the stock has been incredibly volatile. Like, if you take a look back in 08 to about 2010, the stock, I think, like, 3 x or something crazy. And then it fell by 80%. And in in um Berkshire Hathaway's, like, 2013 meeting or 2012 meeting or whatever it was when the stock was down 80%, someone asked Charlie Munger, like, what do you guys think about BYD being down 80%? And... I really wish I remembered his exact quote. I just read it in a book the other day, but he basically was just like, whatever. Like, we're not holding this stock, you know, to day trade it or whatever. It's down 80%. Cool. We've been here before. Like, company's still great. We're going to hold it. And they just held it. They did not, they literally did not care that the stock was down 80%. And well, uh, yeah, you, that worked out. Yeah. And you can see how that investment worked out for them. <laughs> They're up 1500% on it now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It looks like right. I mean, this stock barely dipped during the flash COVID crash, but then, you know, definitely started mooning after that. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. So just hopping into some of these notes here, just looking at this chart, uh, we're looking at Tesla sales and BYD. And Daniel, something you mentioned, which is really good to keep in mind for both of these companies, they are actually more than EVs, uh, just selling EVs, that is. BYD specifically has a very big foothold in battery production. They're actually selling batteries are starting to, to Tesla as well as Toyota. So they are also kind of an infrastructure play. Uh, we also know, obviously, Tesla has a lot of other revenue sources that aren't as big as their EVs, but energy storage as well as their charging networks. And of course, you know, Elon Musk is always flashing his like humanoid robots and stuff like that. Uh, it's hard to do a big investment thesis on that, but another good thing to keep in mind. And here's another uh, showing BEV stands for battery electric vehicles, and you could see BYD is consistently going up, and if this trend continues, it does seem that they are starting to catch up to Tesla. Interestingly enough, Daniel, if we actually look here at their operating cash flow and revenue, BYD is right up there with Tesla, which I found very interesting. This is not a small company by any means. Uh, they're a little bit smaller by market cap, and Could you as we can see here, Tesla is still expensive. Say that again? Could you zoom into that previous chart a little bit more? Uh, yeah, I actually think I have it up here. Okay, so is BYD, so BYD actually, where is it? They're the green and the yellow. Okay, so they're actually producing slightly more operating cash flow than Tesla. Mm-hmm. And, but Tesla, is that Tesla's revenue on top? Yep, the yeah. orange line. Okay, so B, that would mean that BYD has a higher operating cash flow margin then. If they have less revenue and more operating cash flow. They um, Do the operating cash flow margin, not the operating margin. Let's take a look. Yes, 36 38. That's like pretty impressive for an automaker. That's actually really impressive. Well, I think it's partially because they are more than an automaker. I found it so interesting that they're actually selling some batteries to Tesla and they already are involved deeply in lithium mining, which is something I learned this morning. And Tesla is trying to catch up to them. Like they're starting to try to like make a plant. I think it was New Mexico or Texas there, but they're very much playing catch up in that game. And we're seeing that with them actually starting to buy batteries from BYD, which I thought was incredible. Wow. Going on to actual valuations too, Daniel, I pulled up a lot of uh, companies that manufacture vehicles. Uh, obviously, some of these companies do more than just that, but you could see that in terms of valuation, Tesla is still valued pretty crazy high compared to a lot of these other ones. You could see BYD here is actually at a 5.2 price to operating cash flow, and Tesla is flying still at 24, and that's with the stock cratering 70% so far in the past year. Yeah, so I made a video on Tesla not too long ago, and I said that around, I believe it was around $100 a share that I thought the stock started looking interesting as like a more speculative position, because 
I mean, yeah, this, it's down like 70% or something like that. But last year, it was just so freaking expensive. Like, did not make any sense at all to me. I think uh, we're not going to call out people specifically, but I believe you had some other YouTubers and people in your ear chirping about the forward PEG ratio and like throwing out all these metrics about them saying, buy, 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 there's no price that's too low. And you and I kept on saying the same thing. And we said the same thing to all of our followers here. Hey, this is not financial advice, but just be very careful when everyone's eyes are on one stock and the valuations are flying because companies will eventually track their fundamentals. I think that's what's happening here with Tesla. Yeah. I mean, Tesla's fundamentals are still growing crazy well, though. I think their deliveries that they reported in Q4 were still up like 40% year over year or something like that. So, I mean, the fundamentals of that business are still growing great. But in my opinion, it's just like, bro, the stock was so expensive last year. <laughs> That even though the fundamentals are growing at 40%, it's like that stock is still coming down. I don't know where it's going to go from here. Like it's down quite a bit now. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we, we got some notes for that, which I found very interesting. So Tesla is actually producing right now more vehicles than they're selling. They're offering a lot of incentives by lowering prices and stuff. And it seems that they are actually cutting production a little bit in China. This is at the same time while BYD is ramping up production and potentially looking to raise their prices. So I'm not going to read through all of these notes here. I'm very happy to share this document after the show in the chat with our viewers, but lots of lots of bearish and bullish notes on both sides. I think we could probably talk for hours and hours about these two stocks and still not go through all the different talking points. Um, I cannot see the chat right now. I'm sure people are chirping about things that we're not uh, talking about directly, but it was really interesting to see. It really did feel as if BYD was starting to gain momentum as Tesla was losing it. However, no matter where you look, you know, on January 1st in the United States, they are starting another subsidy that you're allowed to use for Tesla vehicles. So some people are saying they uh, slowed down people buying them because people are waiting for that subsidy to come into play. It's kind of hard to say. It's a little bit of speculation. Yeah, I have I have no idea about these subsidies. Like, I'm honestly not very well versed on the whole electric vehicle market and whatnot, which is also another reason why I've kind of just stayed out of it so far. Um but yeah, we're we're seeing comments. Well, I'm seeing comments here that are saying BYD's margins are actually thinner than Tesla's. So I'm going to take a look at this on my personal screen here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can see that here, their profitability metrics. They have a score of 2.8. You see their gross operating net margin, gross margin sitting at 13.62. Uh, we could actually compare this to Tesla right here, which is nice. So... Yeah, so Tesla's gross margin and operating margin are actually higher. So I think that BYD's operating cash flow margin is probably high right now because they probably had some change to working capital that they were able to report as operating income because it, it doesn't, or operating cash flow, because it doesn't make sense that the operating cash flow margin is higher than the gross margin. Yeah, that's yeah, something for us to look into more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tesla has better margins right now than BYD. I think the game people are trying to play is they're looking at the valuation of Tesla and also the valuation of BYD and trying to, obviously, as investors do, look into the future and see, you know, where are these trend lines going? There are some people who are starting to think that BYD has the potential to overtake Tesla. And a lot of those arguments are seeded in the fact that BYD actually owns their battery production. They are growing and raising their prices and kind of like selling through the inventory while Tesla seems to be stagnating a bit. One thing that does bother me though, is you need to know that these are relative to analyst estimates. So people are kind of crying, oh, they're not producing what they said they would. Their car sales are up 42% year over year. Um, it was just below what analysts thought. They're still selling through a lot of cars. So I am not trying to put my hands in there and cry and say Tesla's going to the floor, right? That's definitely not happening. I think it's more of 
are the growth rates in track with what people were forecasting? Yeah. What's what's also interesting is I've noticed a lot of the reports coming out on Tesla now are just like super bearish. Like I, for example, I live up in Canada. It gets freaking cold in the winter up here, which has some negative effects on battery life. And I've been seeing articles coming out like consistently now saying, oh, you know, when it's minus 20 degrees here, Tesla's battery drops 40%, the range is down and whatever. And I'm like, this isn't really new information, you know? Like, why is this coming out now that the stock is down? Like, I've known this for years, you know? Like, so it's just super, it's just really interesting that like the overall, the overall consensus on Tesla now seems to be incredibly negative and it's like feeding into the stock continuing to fall. And like, who knows, man? I, I think Tesla is a, a fantastic company. Like, on my channel, I went over their fun their financials, their fundamentals, and honestly, the stock probably does deserve a premium. Sorry, a premium over all other automakers because their balance sheet is ridiculous. Like, if you go and take a look at Ford's balance sheet versus Tesla's, it's like night and day. Ford is a disaster. Tesla is clean. They got you know twenty billion dollars of cash. Their debt's going down. Their debt is not a problem. And I've been seeing articles coming out too, saying that like Tesla's going out of business. They're going to go under. But if you take a look at the balance sheet, it's like, no, they're not. That company is built to last. That company is not going under. They're going to be fine. Then the question is just like, how much do you want to pay for that business? And um, I don't think the valuation is quite where I want to buy it yet, personally. Maybe around yep. 100. I, I was saying around 100. I think it's a little bit speculative. The reason why I think it's speculative at 100 is because the price to free cash flow around there is still around 35, I think, which means that it's got a free cash flow yield of three-ish percent and when you have bond yields at four to five percent like i can go buy a bond and get a five percent return in canada right now so that means that i'd be paying a significant premium for risk on tesla's stock so that's that's why i say it's speculative i don't think that the business itself is speculative i think the fundamentals are ridiculous i think the price is what makes that stock speculative because it's still quite high you and i are extremely aligned here I think it's been way too expensive, even with it coming down as having me interested in watching it. But to be clear, you and I are both not shareholders of this business. I have no plans on buying this anytime soon, but I am keeping my eye on it. I would like to see at least a 5% like free cash flow yield for this stock. I think that that would be when I start getting interested. But again, I really don't like buying stocks that everyone else is talking about. It feels like there's not too much for me to find that other people aren't finding when it's like the number one talked about stock in the entire market. I know other people may disagree there. It's just my yeah. Opinion. I'm going to respond to some comments here. Kid Freshy says Monish said that Buffett was initially hesitant to invest in BYD. He was won over because Munger called the CEO a genius like Henry Ford and Thomas Edison all rolled into one. Yeah. So that's what I mean is Charlie was like so bullish on BYD. Again, he literally wanted to buy 50% of the company and they wouldn't let him. The CEO was like, no. Um, but yeah, I, I think Charlie really pushed for that one. Um, uh, oh, yeah, continue. Castle Entertainment says, hey, what's the bond you can get a 5% yield on? If you go over to Equitable Bank in Canada, they have 5% GICs right now, which is essentially, you know, lending the government money at a 5% return. It's not quite like a bond, but yeah, you can get 5% GICs at Equitable Bank right now. Um, Let's go, let's just rapid fire some comments. Here in Toronto, people love their Teslas. I ask anyone I can. Yeah, so an interesting comment here is my girlfriend, Shelby. I'm going to talk about my girlfriend for a second, but it's it's relevant to everyone. Calm down. <laughs> she, We're not going to talk about girlfriends the whole stream, we promise. <laughs> yeah, she, she rode in a Tesla for the first time a couple of months ago, and, like, she's not a car person at all, could care less about cars, and she texted me and was like, okay, that was pretty cool. And for Shelby to say that to me is like, okay, 
there was something there. So I asked. I was really. Buy, I asked her if she would buy one. She said no, but she said it was like it was a cool experience. So one thing I want to say on this, and I really appreciate you bringing up this comment of all the chirping of like the hundreds of comments on the TikTok video I posted. Again, I think it's a good way to gauge how people are feeling. There were a lot. There was a lot of negative sentiment around Elon, and I know we don't like to get political here, but there is some truth to this. Elon is very loud. He's very boisterous. He says some pretty cutty, uh, cutting things. I've heard a lot of people, especially more on the liberal side, saying they will not rebuy Tesla products. They do not want to stand for what Elon is doing. And a lot of people think that he is doing irreversible brand damage. My personal take on that is it's just too early to tell, but I think it would be wrong to completely ignore that. And as part of doing an investment analysis, you want to see, are the customers going to come back and be repeat customers? Or are they going to start to go to some of these competitors who are making you know, pretty compelling cars at this point. Have Have you heard anything there? I mean, seems like Shelby is not affected, but I'm hearing a lot of chirping in the United States yeah. here that people are not happy about how he's carrying himself as a CEO. Yeah, no, that 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 trickles up to Canada. Canada is like an extension of the U.S. Basically, it, it feels like. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, on Twitter, I've noticed some people saying that they've canceled their Tesla orders because of how Elon Musk is acting and everything. And I totally agree with you. It's just like it's too early to tell. It's like Google and the chat GPT thing. For me, it's like, it's just too early to tell. I don't know if this is going to affect the business's fundamentals. If it does, we'll see it in the numbers. But I mean, Tesla's deliveries were still up 40% year over year, which is insane to me. So, so far, it looks like it's not impacting them too much, in my opinion. Let's see. We have a, a Kid Freshy, nice name. Tesla is done. Bold statement, but you are entitled to that. I, I do not think Tesla is done, but I do question how long, if ever, they will get back to a market cap of over $1 trillion. That, I think, may be very far away. Yeah, you know, they could. Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. That that Tesla robot, dude. Um, Matt's, Matt's channel says, either one of you will never buy Tesla because it will never be a 15 PE. Honestly, like, I would buy Tesla at a 25 price to free cash flow. That's a 4% yield, like, you know, 3, 3.5 to 4% yield. That's where I would start to nibble on it a little bit. And I don't think that would be insane to see. That would be like 80 to 100 bucks. We'll see. Who knows? I don't know what the stock price is going to do. So yeah, speculation there. Very bold to try to predict that about the stock price. And just think about all the traders in this, all the people who are leveraged up and how margin calls work. I don't have data on this, but one can speculate that a lot of the selling pressure is from people getting cleared by margin loans and all that. So the stock the, price the, short term can go absolutely nuts. So just watch it closely. It's possible. Royal... Domi says, look at brand damages of other companies. They never last. If the product service is great, these things are just noise. Honestly, yeah, I would agree with that. Fair. You know, back when I, I think, I don't know the exact year, but Google went through their own pretty big brand controversy. That's why they changed their name to Alphabet. And like, no one talks about that anymore. These names are great, everyone. The man with two eyes. I also have two eyes. So shout out to you, uh, Daniel, you're in that boat as well. 1,795 a share in 2030. Are you Kathy Wood in disguise? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I saw we have a lot of great comments about just like random things and other stocks. So let's go for I, it. Let's just, uh, I'm going to scroll through our comments quick and try and find some. Um, Sophie. Hello, Sophie. She says, are you using different types of stocks when using a margin account versus TFSA RSP registered accounts? What stocks are you considering in your registered accounts this year? Okay, this is a great question, and the answer is yes. So up in Canada, we have the tax-free savings account, which is the TFSA, and the registered retirement account, which is your RRSP. Um, these are 
I believe these are like your Roth IRAs down in the US. They're basically tax deferred accounts. So gains in these accounts are not taxed, right? So in my tax deferred accounts, I hold all dividend stocks. And the reason for that is because I want to reduce my taxable events as much as possible over my lifetime. So every time I receive a dividend, instead of paying tax on it, I no longer have to pay tax because my dividend stocks are all in these accounts. So they're literally full of dividend stocks so that I can get my tax-free dividends, fully benefit from those dividends coming in, not pay tax on them, and then just continue reinvesting all that dividend money back into the portfolio. So that's how I do it. And what stocks am I considering in my registered accounts this year? So in my TFSA, we, we had a $6,500 limit to contribute this year, and it all went into BAM. <laughs> all of it. BAM. <laughs> surprise, surprise. If you watch our channel a lot, Daniel is a huge bull and shareholder of BAM. I think that BAM is, you know, I've looked for dividend stocks. I've looked at so many dividend stocks, man. I, I've said on my channel that I think, you know, BAM is the best dividend opportunity in the market right now. And I put my money where my mouth is, man. I think it is. So the entire contribution went into BAM. Not financial advice. Not financial advice. Do not follow me. I have, we have, we're going to see how that one works out, but uh, I really, really like it. Awesome. You want... Uh, you want to go through any more of these comments? I think you may have had some comments on Bed Bath & Beyond, potentially, where the meme stock. Oh, my. Okay. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? When a company has declining revenue and they're losing money, oh their stock my. price eventually goes down, even if in the short term it does crazy things. And we're not here to make fun of anyone who got involved in the meme stock frenzy, but we are fundamental-based value investors here. So this, of course, is right up our alley of a perfect example of something got super hyped for reasons we don't understand and everyone was saying it's going to the moon but lo and behold it seems as if it has went back yeah. to levels that make sense so tell us about it daniel all right so i made a video on this stock on my channel a few months ago it was being talked about you know it was so this is the story in uh actually wait sorry one second so this stock fell like 94 percent from 2015 to 2020 then from 2020 um the COVID crash up to here for some reason the stock spiked like 800 to a thousand percent or something crazy and then it fell all the way back down right and then right around here it was down another 86 percent and i believe it was sometime around here that people were asking me like is this stock a good buy blah 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 just one in my opinion basically which is very fair so i gave it on my youtube channel i made a full video on bed bath and beyond and what i found about this business was like horrific so let's go and take a look because bed bath and beyond this last week announced that they're probably going to go bankrupt. Like, they're going to file for bankruptcy, which is why the stock dropped, like, so much. Um, and the 1.87 Insight score on Stock Unlock is one of the lowest I have maybe ever seen. That is very uh, yeah, low. Yeah, I found stocks below that, but it's low. That is not a good score at all. So let's take a look at what they've done with their money. Let's zoom into their cash flow statement, all right? So here we can see that their cash from operating activities... It was positive until about the third quarter, fourth quarter of 2021, and then it started going negative. So the business started losing money in about the fourth quarter of 2021. So it was no longer a profitable business. And if we take a look at their quarterly net common stock issued, which is the company's buybacks, we can see that during this time, um, right around here, in the fourth quarter of 2021, they repurchased $120 million worth of shares. And then in the first quarter of 2020, they repurchased $230 million. And then in 20, the second quarter, they repurchased $43 million. So during this time, they repurchased roughly half a billion dollars worth of shares. 
while the company was losing money, okay? So they're they're literally losing money. The business is not profitable. And while they're losing money, they decide to buy back about half a billion dollars worth of stock. Where does so, that cash come from? Were they taking out debt? Nope, it came right from the balance sheet. And you can see right here that right around this time, the business was losing money. And then they spent their reserve of $500 million on stock buybacks. Why would you do that? So literally the company, while it was losing money, not profitable, took their cash position and bought back stock and basically self-inflicted bankruptcy. This is the worst management of capital I have ever seen in my investing lifetime. It is an absolute disaster. I don't know who wanted to buy back half a billion dollars worth of stock when they were losing money, but like, why did they do that? I really wish that we could have the management on our live stream and just ask them that question straight up. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, like seriously, you're seeing you're seeing this trend in the company's profitability go significantly down, significantly down. You start losing money and then they're like, hey, what should we do with our capital? Let's buy back all our stock. Do they have debt? Like, I'm curious if they had debt. They maybe could have paid off some of that debt if they knew, you know, interest rate rises were coming, right? Yeah, they got $5 billion of liabilities. Ooh. So yeah, you know, that might have been a better investment or just keeping the cash so that, you know, you don't leverage up your business by buying back shares because now they're going, like, they're they're legit about to go bankrupt now. Like, it's it makes it wonder. It's just insane what happened. Like, I just do not understand what happened to this company. It's It just does not make sense to me. And it, even if you look at, I was looking at their revenue the other day and year over year, their revenue is going down. So the business has less and less money coming in, even just from a moat perspective of looking at who their competitors are. I don't see Bed Bath and Beyond innovating. I don't see them doing well in e-commerce. Of course, you have Amazon, Walmart, all these other companies that are making investments there and continuing to gain market share. So it makes you want, like, what is the future for a company like this? At the end of the day, what products are they making and value are they creating that are going to drive more revenue and therefore profits for shareholders? And I unfortunately don't have an answer there. So this is one of those stocks. I'm sure you agree, Daniel. Like, what is the reason to buy? I, I don't see one. I have no idea, man. Like, after what I saw the management do with their money, there's just, there's no way that I would invest in a management team like that. It's just so disconnected from what you should be doing with your cash. Right, we, yeah. we have a funny comment here. Getting BBB wise management on here would be like getting SBF, getting interviewed on TV. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> I, I, you know what? To give like a very minor piece of credit to Bed Bath and Beyond Management here, I would say it's maybe not that bad, but point taken uh, for the scale dude, of our TV show compared to the bad. Yeah. I'm not going to let you say that, dude. That I, I'm not over exaggerating when I say that was the worst use of capital I have ever seen in my investing career. But it wasn't it was, a fraud. Like, it wasn't a fraud, but it was like really dumb. But all right, we're, we're, I'm going to go over to Google because I'm seeing some uh, comments on Google. I just want to bring this up because I was looking at Google and some other stocks yesterday, and I found this very interesting. So we're looking at Google and IBM's price to free cash flow over time. And right now, Google has a slightly lower price to free cash flow than IBM. Google's is sitting at about 17.9. IBM is 18.2. So it shocked me when you brought this up the other day. Right? Because if I, I always like to look at IBM's revenue over time, because you look at these darling companies from 20 years ago and you're just like, what happened? It's like, well, it's a little bit more simple than you think. Like they stopped growing, they stopped making as much money. Like their revenue has just overall went pretty much straight down. I've also been yeah. buying Google at these prices, Daniel. I'm not sure if you have, but I opened a position finally once they started dipping below $100 a share. And I've been buying 
about one or two shares a week pretty slowly, but I do think Google's attractive at these prices. Yep, I would agree with that, but not not financial advice. So the company that's growing the revenue massively is now valued at the same that the com- as the company which has been losing revenue over the past decade, which is interesting. <laughs> Take a look at their free cash flow. Google's free cash flow is coming down a little bit right now, but IBM's free cash flow has been in decline for a decade. And again, these two companies are valued at the same price right now. Well, I I don't know. I just thought that this was super interesting. Like, I I personally don't think that IBM and Google should be at the same valuation. Um, it's just wild. We have a good talking point here from Rob H. Thank you for this one. I think Chat GPT could impact Google like TikTok did to Meta. Then this is actually a hot topic right now because obviously Chat GPT is causing a stir. Quick comments on this. I would look at the cost per query on ChatGPT. I would also look at the profitability on the search. I do think that there are some real concerns here. However, what a lot of people aren't talking about, in my opinion, is Google is a very multifaceted business. They are more than search. Yes, right now, that is where a majority of their revenue comes from, which is from advertising. But I think people are really sleeping on how big the uh, distributed cloud computing is going to be. Google has the third uh, cloud service after Microsoft and Amazon. I also think people are sleeping on YouTube and how much that's growing. I've been saying this on this channel that my personal opinion is by 2030, just YouTube and their cloud service alone could be a trillion market cap. Call me crazy, but I think that there's a lot more cylinders to fire on here. I also think that it is way too early to write Google off. They have a lot of technology under wraps and stuff that they just don't release. So I am watching that closely as well. They're going to have to innovate, but I really don't have concerns of chat GPT taking over. And even if I do, I'm also a shareholder of Microsoft. They have a partnership with OpenAI, and it looks like they might integrate that into Bing. So there's a way to diver- to diversify yourself here too, as well as continue to own all the services that literally most companies are building on top of, which have great recurring revenue models and very deep moats for the amount of time, energy, and effort and expertise it takes to do massive globally distributed and managed data centers to power the world's technology. Yep. I agree. Um, Another YouTuber, Joseph Carlton, made a really good video about um, the situation with Microsoft, Bing, ChatGPT, and Google. And honestly, like, I would recommend everyone go watch it. It was a great video by Joseph Carlson. And basically, I'm a Google shareholder. It's a pretty large position for me. And right now, this is just like a wait and see moment for me. Like, I lean more towards this is probably not going to be an issue for Google. But obviously, I have some bias there because I am a shareholder. But, you know, like people have been attacking Google's market share and moat in terms of search for like over a decade and their market share for search globally is still at 92.6%. So like, this is a pretty strong moat, man. I don't know. We're going to have to see. And I've, I like, I've tried using chat, chat GPT and I think that the use cases of it are slightly different than Google search. So I don't know, maybe there's a world where both exist. Maybe ChatGPT fails long-term, maybe it succeeds long-term. I just think that everything is basically speculation right now. And I also think that Google is not responding because as Joseph Carlson said, they don't really need to. Like, I think Google as a business is kind of just like, all right, let's see. You know, internally, they have their own ChatGPT thing that reports say is much better. But Google has their Google search right now working so freaking well and it's so profitable that they're like, why do we want to disrupt our own business off of this thing that people are talking about right now that like may never actually become something useful? So let's just wait and see what happens. Very well said. I'm just waiting to see what happens. Like I have no idea what's going to happen. Who knows? So something that I experienced because I am a huge, oh, disclaimer, I'm a huge Google fanboy. 
I shouldn't really be saying this as a shareholder, but they do kind of have a monopoly on search. Google Chrome web browser, their phones. I have a Pixel phone. The default web browser there is Google. Like I couldn't really even get away from it if I wanted to. And they have spent decades kind of entrenching that and like bleeding it through the entire industry. So yeah, like even if they go down to like 85 or 80% market share, I mean, the amount of searches is only going up year, year over year, right? The amount of people on the internet, the amount of people searching. So even if their market share goes down a bit, I would still argue that the number of searches they're getting still has a very high probability of going up over time. Yeah, and you, There's a going... difference between a trend and a fad, right? I'm not sure if ChatGPT is a fad. I've heard that it costs 8 to 12 cents per query, which is definitely not profitable for them. Google has their queries down to fractions of a penny, yeah, from, so, which is hard. There's a, there's a few comments here. One, I looked at ChatGPT's interest on Google Analytics over time because you can search Google Trends. And it was like this massive spike and now it's down like 70% from the top. So the interest in chat GPT is already down 70% from its peak. I don't know if it's going to rebound, but so far it looks like it was like a really big spike and then back down. Um, also, Google's Android operating system is the largest operating system in the world by far. And like Google has access to all of those devices around the planet. So it's like, exactly. Yeah, team, team Android right here too. Let's go. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Like Google is also just such a bigger business than search. I like I exactly. just don't know what's gonna happen. If if it starts to affect Google's market share long term, I think we'll see it in the numbers and then I'll start to get a little bit more concerned. But right now, I'm just like, it's probably gonna be just fine. And, and people should not sleep on YouTube. I keep saying this. They're doing that fifty fifty creator split. There is a huge surge that is a trend to me of eyeballs being on YouTube, the amount of people creating on there. And I really think Google is continuing to supercharge that network with how much they're giving back to creators, especially with the issues with TikTok coming up. No, I don't think that's getting banned, but we'll see what happens. You know, that to me is still a business that's going to be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, so we right, have a lot going for them. So right here, this is Google's search engine market share worldwide over the past decade. And the lowest it looks like it got was right here in 2013 at about 80, 89% if we want to round up. Again, currently it's at about 93% if we want to round up. So people have been attacking this mode for decades and it's not worked. So we're going to see if it works this time. Also, here's another thing. Microsoft is clearly throwing billions and billions of dollars at Google's moat right now. So as a Google shareholder, what we're going to see is, is Google's moat as strong as, you know, everyone thinks it is. Charlie Munger has historically said he thinks it's the strongest moat he's ever seen. So either they're going to take some market share from Google and it's going to work. But imagine if Microsoft fails after dumping, you know, tens of billions of dollars into this. Imagine if they fail and nothing happens. Then all that's going to do for me is be like, okay, Google's moat is ridiculous. Like you cannot disrupt them. So it could go either way. I would say, yeah, it would be very, very challenging to disrupt them. Are you a Microsoft shareholder, Daniel? Because I am. Okay. Interesting. I like when I like when you and I, uh, someone owns the stock and the other person doesn't. I find that makes conversations a little more interesting. Yeah, I would love to own Microsoft, but uh, a large portion of the company's returns or the stock's returns over the past decade have come from the multiple expansion. They've grown they've grown cash flow at eight percent over the past decade, but their stock price ratio has grown at twelve percent. So I just want that to come back down a little bit. I want it to, I want the price ratio to come back down to like at least twenty five. Just a li little counter there. I personally believe that is well warranted. I think Microsoft is way more of a B2B company than Google is. And 
watching all their adoption of their subscription-based services to businesses. And even my sisters are working at tech companies. They're all moving over to Teams from Slack. They have a very, very, very great subscription-based business model going there. And I think a lot of those multiples are rewarding the expansion and growth there of the predictable revenue and cash flow yeah. that they will be generating. Yeah, it, definitely. Second leading cloud, bigger than Google. Wait, what is there? I don't know the chart I want it. I'm, I'm trying to find a specific chart right now, but it's just like not working. Operating system. They should use some uh, stock unlock uh, UX and things like that. I find our sites easier to use. Unfortunately, no. we don't have this data yet. Let's go back to Microsoft quick, because I agree with you that the multiple deserve to expand indefinitely. Um, I think it just got too far. Yeah, I, to be fair, I was not buying it when the stock went up to 340. I started buying it at 214 before COVID hit. I did not buy that stock for well over a year, and I just started dollar cost averaging, again, a share every like literally maybe like one or two a month since it's an expensive stock below 240. I actually bought one at 222, which I was pretty happy about. And it's one of those stocks where I sleep so well at night knowing that Microsoft is not going to blow up. Even Daniel, even going back to your point before, like if that multi-billion investment failed, I kind of view that as like Amazon with Alexa, right? Like these companies have enough money where they need to take some of those risks and no, it doesn't make me happy when it doesn't work out. But at the same time, that's not a death blow to a company like Microsoft, just like how the Echo Dot um, with Amazon, you know, they sunk, I think, 10 billion into that. They're still here. Yep. You know, they're still making a lot of money off of their cloud and other bets that worked out. So, yep. So this, great, the, but... this is the global operating system market share. We're looking at India in specific right now because we all know I'm bullish on India. So back here, we can see that Windows in 2009 had 95.6% of the operating system market share. And now Google has completely taken over and Android is at 73% market share in India. Microsoft is at 18%. Samsung is at, uh, I think that's like, wait, I don't know where Samsung is. And then iOS, somewhere in here is iOS. And I think iOS has like 1% market share in India right now. So basically in India, they love Android. They like Windows and they don't really use Apple, which I thought was super interesting. Sounds like there's a lot of very rational, logically lo logical thinking people there. Just okay. All right. My two cents. All right. <laughs> let's let's take a look at worldwide though. I want to see. And uh, in a few minutes, we do have so, a really really good comments here in the chat too. Some, someone's asking about Dropbox, which I love talking about. We see, we we see you guys and girls. Yeah, I just want to take a look at the operating system worldwide. So Android has been taking off. Android is still uptrending worldwide. Android has forty four point six percent market share. My uh, Windows is at twenty eight percent. They've been downtrending. So I don't know, man. Just interesting statistics that. I like to look at as a Google shareholder. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is great. I did that. And to give you credit here, Daniel, this is the stuff what we preach on this channel a lot that people should be watching. When you buy a stock, share of a business, as cash flows, I have a product, like don't buy it because someone else says it, like build your investment thesis. And if someone asks you why you bought, bought this stock, you should be able to answer those things. And if you can't, that's okay. But it's a sign that you should do some more research. Yeah, we got a comment here from Ali. He says, AWS is actually leading in market share when it comes to cloud infrastructure, but Azure is second. Yes. Yeah. Google is third, and but yes. uh, but Google is growing the fastest and taking market share right now. They still got a long way to go, but um, they're starting but to take market share. They're growing the fastest from a lower base, which is like my mathematical point on it. So we'll see. Yeah. But it's not to discredit them. And maybe we misspoke there, but definitely correct. Azure is second. AWS is first, to be clear. Yeah. Uh, no, none of us are buying Tesla, uh, Gene, at least not yet. We want to see at least like a 5% free cash flow yield, and it's also a hyped stock. But if you watch the recording, we did a full 15 or 20 minutes on Tesla and BYD. So after that's posted, definitely recommend uh, go back and watch that. Lots of good thoughts there. 
Okay, do you have any comments that you would like to bring up, Jake? Uh, if we want to move on, I really like this comment from Ross here. Uh, are you down to talk about Dropbox a little bit and bring up some of their financials? This is an interesting one. Yeah, sure. Do you mind going to their stock page? We could look at their insights. This is an interesting one. Oh, yeah. So their okay. financials are good. I'm, I might be misremembering this, so I would love for you to fact check me here, Daniel, in the numbers. I think that they took out debt to buy back shares, but their cash position is more than enough to pay off the debt. I have a lot of people messaging me about this stock saying the financials look pretty good. It kind of looks like it's growing. I am not giving you a recommendation because I can't because this is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor to buy or sell this stock. I will say I don't own it. In my personal opinion, the biggest issue here for me, Daniel, is Moat. I look at what this company produces and like who their competitors are, and I just kind of put my hands up in the air and I'm like, all right, cool technology, like it works, but it's a little bit too similar to, to competitors and I haven't seen this company innovate and I don't know what their future plans are. So if I were to ever even consider buying the stock, I want management to convince me that they are hiring the right people who are being retained at this company that write great technology who are going to continue to innovate on the products they offer. If they're just surviving on contracts that they have B2B and other things like that, that just kind of like renew year over year, I'm not going to like crap on them and say it's a bad company, but when there's so many other tech stocks here and companies with bigger moats than Dropbox, it just really makes me... Yeah, so you can see their growth is going down. That's just top line. I, I just, there's nothing that gets me excited about the stock, I guess is one of the simplest ways I could say it. But it's it's not a crap stock either. So just nothing yeah. that really gets me excited. Dropbox to me is like, how do I word this? It's like your typical value investment in a company that's not really growing that quick. Um, like they're basically just taking all of their cash flow and buying back stock. That's how they're rewarding shareholders. Like you can see here, their cash from operating activities in the 2012 months, 765 million. And then they bought back a billion dollars worth of stock. So yeah, they're buying back more stock than they actually generate in cash flow right now. And they're probably taking on debt to do that, which is something that we like to, something that we see often. Their liabilities, let's take a look. Well, their liabilities are going down. They took on a billion dollars of debt in 2021. They do have a good cash position, I think, if we yeah, want they, to they had a little check. Uh, they have 1.4 billion in cash. So yeah. basically what they're doing, like I don't think their balance sheet is that risky at all personally. Um, but yeah, they're just taking all of their cash flow and buying back shares. And at their current free cash flow yields, they're buying they can buy back 9% of their shares organically per year right now. And if you take a look at our insights, their shares have decreased by 9%. So like literally all the cash flow is going back to buying back shares. So yeah. I don't know. It's like it's just not exciting to me. I don't think that this is like an incredible business. I think it's cheap. Um, I like that they're buying back as many shares as they can, but you know, it's just like, I, I look at it and I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah. It depends the, what kind of investor you are. I mean, some investors do really love to see share buybacks and they look for a nice consistent business. If you think that this business is going to sustain and just generate nice returns, that's fine. The type of investor I am, I'm a little more greedy. So to me, again, I just don't see their future growth. It like that story hasn't been painted for me and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I would agree. That's my opinion. Okay, you want to take the next comment here, Daniel? Yeah, we've had um, AVGO. We've had this one asked a few times. I think I've talked about this one on my YouTube channel before. We get this one a lot. I we even get some emails to support. I believe, and I'm forgetting exactly who it was to talk about this. So hopefully, you are watching. Yeah. So this business one is in the semiconductors industry. It's a freaking massive company. It's kind of confusing for me to understand just how much 
like complexity there is in this business because it, it covers a lot of things. Um, if we compare it to the SPY though, this company is absolutely killing the SPY. Produced returns of 3,300% over um, since 2008. What about over the past 10 years? Over the past 10 years, 1,800% returns. It's basically beaten the S&P 500 over almost all time frames. So looks like a pretty decent stock. Well, actually very good stock, I should say. 3.3% dividend yield as well. What's crazy about this company too is how quickly their dividend grows. If we take a look, historical yield on costs. So if you were buying the stock back in 2009, okay, you would have a dividend yield on cost now of 118%. So you'd be getting your entire investment back every single year in dividends because they have grown their dividends so freaking quickly. They've grown their dividend from 32, 32, 32 cents to $18.40 over the past 10 years like that i'm noticing that yield on cost graph which is one of my favorites that's if you bought a share back when it used to cost less if you forward project the dividend now on the price you bought it at you can actually say those shares are now yielding a hundred percent so i'm gonna be yeah, the numbers but if you bought it at two dollars and now they're paying a two dollar dividend even though the stock appreciated to 20 like that's a hundred percent dividend yield if you compare it to the two dollars you bought it at and i think that's a really good way for long-term investors like visualize a dividend growth company if that's a stairmaster graph right there, dude. Like there, that's, that's just nice. going the stair stairway to heaven of a <laughs> dividend. But so was that a lot of insider selling? I just saw though. Yeah, the insiders look like they're selling. All right, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a good company. Um, what about its what about its price today? I guess let's answer that question. What do I want to use on this company? Price to free cash flow probably. So its price to free cash flow is actually down to fourteen right now, relative to its historical average. 19 looks pretty pretty cheap on a free cash flow basis what about operating cash flow operating cash flow. the underlying metric as well just like the base operating cash flow average latest it doesn't even look that expensive actually let's take a look at operating cash flow why can i not find this there we go yeah so operating cash flow is at an all-time high it's growing it's compounded at 34 percent let's take a look at the past five years compounded at 26 percent that's very good yeah honestly like it doesn't look that expensive it looks like a like a pretty decent company, honestly, like actually a very, very good company. I just don't know enough about it to buy it right now for me personally. I'm going to look at this one a little more and potentially come back for the next live stream with a little talking notes and stuff like we did with Tesla and BYD before. We always want to be careful on this channel to only talk about things that we really know about. So I agree with you, Daniel, like looks looks tasty, but I think I, I'm going to have to look under the covers here a bit. The, the 4.09, anything above a four insight score makes me interested to take a deeper look. And I also want to shout out everyone in the chat. We are actually over 300 viewers right now across both these channels. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate the support. Yeah, no, AVGO looks like a sweet company. Um, definitely a, a good research candidate right there. Dude, someone's asking about one of my darling stocks, which you and I disagree on sometimes. Yeah. What do you guys think of Airbnb? Feel <laughs> Airbnb question. I feel I... like you talk about this stock every stream though, man. I'm not going to say much. I'm going to say, yeah, watch the past streams. I've been slowly dollar cost averaging into it. Daniel and I have slightly different opinions on the stock. I think it's great. I'll stop there because you are right. It's uh, I do love to chirp. I do love to chirp about it. Honestly. Yeah, we we have the same conversation on that stock every week. I feel like it's great. <laughs> I didn't start buying it until it went to around like 95 a share. And again, super slowly. Who knows what's going to happen in the market this year? So be careful out there. All right, we're getting some questions, a few questions about TSM. This is Taiwan at Semiconductors. That's a hot, hot stock. Yeah, it's it's hot because Berkshire started buying a lot of it. Mm. Um, 
So this is another semiconductors company. They're freaking like, I think this is a great company, honestly. They've been outperforming the S&P 500 massively, not quite as much as AVGO Broadcom actually, but on basically every time frame except for 2021, TSM has been massively outperforming the S&P 500. So if we go to, also they have a 4.45 Insight score. Like that is pretty, pretty insane. We're going to take a look at their free cash flow metrics. I actually wrote a, a newsletter at Stock and Lock all about why Warren Buffett is buying this stock. Basically, if you take a look at this chart right here, TSM's free cash flow is spiking. It's at an all-time high, whereas their price to free cash flow has come down massively. I actually think the operating cash flow metrics show this better. It's to operating cash flow. So yeah, their operating cash flow is literally just skyrocketing, but the price for that operating cash flow is the lowest it's been since about 2015. So there's a complete disconnect between the company's fundamentals, like literally skyrocketing, and the price of the business going down. So I think Berkshire, I don't know if it was Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, who bought the shares of this business, but I think they were clearly looking at a chart similar to this and were like, there's a very big disconnect between the price of the business and what the business is actually doing. And they bought it. These are, these are the graphs you love to see, right? The profitability metrics going up while the price is going down. Yep. And I think, look exciting. I think the reason TSM has been sold off so much is because people are worried about China invading Taiwan. And if they do, like, this is the number one asset they would want. Um, who knows? I don't know if, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. If it doesn't, TSM looks cheap to me personally. And yeah, they got a 4.45 stock unlock insight score. Woo. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Like strong balance sheet, financial health, growth is perfect 5.0, profitability 4.0, 4.4 actually, returns 4.75. Like it, there's nothing really bad here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and just one quick disclaimer on our insight scores. These are not meant to be buy or sell recommendations just because a stock has a high insight score does not mean you should run and buy it and vice versa, but it is a really good signal on a lot of base financial metrics. So Daniel and I like to use it as a kind of a gut check, see like, okay, any red flags here kind of like helps you start the research process a little more. Yeah, for sure. We're getting GoPro, Crocs, a lot of consumer brand uh, stock requests. I'm not sure if any of those uh, tickle your fancy, Daniel. Sagig just says, thanks for taking my question on AVGO. You're very welcome. Sorry, it, sorry we just got to that one. There's a lot of comments to look at. We do, we do our best to get to everyone, so apologies if we are missing yours. Yeah, okay. Um. Oh my goodness, GoPro, Crocs. Let's take a look at Crocs. Have you ever owned a, a pair of Crocs? Because I have not. I have not. Okay, this stock went freaking nuts. Oh my goodness, what? Even like a roller coaster. In the past six months, it's up 126%. That is insane. Insight score 3.17. Let's take a look at what is happening here. So the revenue... Revenue is going up massively since 2020 has been going up massively. Their cash flow is up, but not like crazy, crazy. It's not continuing to go up. Looks like they're buying back a lot of shares, but they're also taking on a lot of debt. Free cash flow is currently negative. Really? What's their cash position at? Okay, wait a second. So they have operating cash flow coming in. They're spending $2 billion on CapEx. They took on $1.9 billion of debt and they bought back half a billion dollars of stock. That's some very interesting things going on here. Okay, assets, cash position is not very strong. 142 million. Um, What else do we got? Liabilities probably spiked, yep, because they took on a lot of debt recently. And then- Yeah, I wonder what's causing these price movements. Because like you said, they're, they're so extreme. They're very extreme. That's a very extreme stock. 
for those of you who have been here for a bit, we talked about uh, Dropbox before. Hold up, hold up, hold up, uh, hold up. They did an acquisition. Their intangible uh, assets spiked. That could be why they took on debt because their tangible book value is also negative. And it looks like it went negative right here when they did the acquisition. So tangible book value is negative. They did an acquisition, took on debt. What is the price of this stock? Six billion, no free cash flow yield. This is weird, but I took a look at Crocs not too long ago and it did look kind of cheap. I remember doing like a quick analyzation on this business, but I haven't taken a look at it in a while. To me, I just wonder like, is this a product or a business similar to like what I thought with Dropbox and like, what else are they innovating on? I just, if they're just still making those shoes and like, okay, I guess people will keep buying them, but. I think they are trying to innovate and like make new products. I, when I looked into the stock last, like for probably six months ago, they were trying to like make new products and expand it to new areas and whatnot. But I don't think that the stock is like super cheap anymore. You know, 15 price to operating cash flow, negative free cash flow, lots of debt, negative tangible book value. Um, like it, when I did my video, when it was probably somewhere around here, like I saw the price ratio is getting quite low and the operating cash flow, but now like the stock is up a hundred percent since then. So we're, we're getting some help here from the chat. They acquired a company called Hey Dude. Thank okay. you, Capital Growth. We will assume that's true. And also, same person. They sell ugly shoes. Um, <laughs> I get enough. four feet. I get four feet. The thing about then... Crocs, me. The thing. This is the thing about Crocs, me. All right. Um, you see this massive revenue explosion, right? Is this a trend? Like, are Crocs hot right now? Are they going to be hot in five years? Are they going to be hot in ten years? I have no idea. Like, I don't know the long term brand value of crocs so that's why like i would probably not own it personally but yeah are they innovating by acquiring or is the company able to like innovate and do that on their own so if a company is investing their money elsewhere to buy should you also be investing your money into them maybe you know it comes down to your investment style but it makes me think you know if they're not investing in themselves and they have to go out and buy it not always a red flag i know we invest in companies that do lots of acquisitions but something to keep in mind here yeah for sure we got asked here about rocket um, what is this company? I looked into this once before, but I'm forgetting. Homeownership, personal finance, transactions, company. Okay, it's down a lot. Revenue is coming down massively. I'm trying to remember if this was like Lemonade, like one of those like technological driven, not maybe like not insurance, but online services where they try to like brand themselves as a tech company, but it's just kind of like a facade over like a zero moat business. Insiders are bullish, apparently. They're buying shares. That, that is a lot of insider buying. This is all just since December too. They're actually like consistently buying. They're buying a lot of shares actually. Holy smokes. Maybe insiders know something we don't. I have not looked at this company a lot recently, so I don't know too much about it. There's been a hundred insider buys since October. That's a lot of buying. Okay, so they're very bullish. Very, very bullish. Um, uh, <laughs> The person that you're doing this stock for said, sorry, it's ROK. So I'm not sure if they meant this ticker. Are okay. All right, we're looking at the wrong. <laughs> well, anyways, RKT insiders are very bullish on that company. Everyone. <laughs> what was funny is when I was looking into BYD, I like typed in BYD, and it's like a gaming company or something like that ticker. And it's like, uh, this looks like a gaming company, like not EV, but it was you know trades under a different ticker. And it's ROK, not ROC. We got the right ticker, everyone. Let's go. Let's go. It was not luck. Okay, so electrical equipment company, $30 billion market cap, big company, price to free cash flow looks high at 45. Looks like it's been a strong stock though, like compared to the SPY. It's got to be outperforming, yeah. Outperforming on almost every every time frame. That's nice to see. What's the inside score? 3.09. Revenue from going up. 
income statement revenue. Weird. So their revenue hasn't been growing as quick as the stock price. So what is happening? Their operating cash flow is also down. Okay, this is becoming interesting. The plot thickens. Well, because oh, we're it, sorry. Well, because we're seeing the stock price go up massively, but we're not seeing the fundamentals go up massively. Well, wait, what's happening here? So over the past 12 years, well, let's take a look at the past decade. Yeah, so the revenue is growing at 2%. Stock price has grown at 13% if we want to round up about free cash flow. Oops. So I don't know what to think about this one. Like, its stock is running a lot faster than the fundamentals. The fundamentals, honestly, like haven't grown that much over the past decade, but the stock is up a lot. So that leads to the price to free cash flow now being 45. It looks expensive to me. Maybe people know something we don't, but unless if they have a lot of revenue growth drivers in the future, which they seem to not have done for a super long time, like does nothing's really exciting about this. Yeah, capital growth right here. Like this is my exact thoughts. It's so expensive for not that much growth. Why? Like to me, it looks like the market has just been pricing the stock higher and higher over time. Well, like the fundamentals don't grow that much, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know really what else to say about that. I think we got a comment here about Alibaba. People are saying there was an announcement that Jack Ma uh, might be stepping down. Oh, yeah. I heard that the Ant IPO might go through and that caused Alibaba to like go up quite a bit. Yeah. R relatively. Relatively. It's up 23% recently. But yeah, if you take a look at, you know, from the high, it's not it's not up that much. It's actually down 70, 70%. <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. I'm a shareholder in Alibaba. I'm a shareholder. A bag holder. <laughs> actually, you know what? Uh, I I bought more shares down here, so I'm actually up net on my position now. You're up on your average cost or just those shares? Yeah. Way, way better than me. I was one of those people where it dropped down to like 220, and I did make it a big position. But I'm like, oh, like based on its fundamentals and like what they're building and their cloud, it looks great. But we've talked in the past, their cloud only grew 2% when you take out them selling themselves their own services, even though they were reported for, which I did not like to see. I did actually buy a couple shares, Daniel, when it really dipped because, like, once it got to like seventy or eighty, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So, uh, definitely not a position that I feel comfortable making huge, especially because it's been so volatile. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know what I feel about Jack Ma stepping down. Like, I did like his leadership, but he was also really getting grilled by the CCP. And you know, with any company that operates in China, there are those political headwinds there. So, who who knows what's happening to that poor man? Yeah, who knows, man? I guess he's not poor. This is this is just like a stock for me that's like, I honestly don't follow what's going on so much because my mind is just so set on holding the stock for like 20 to 30 years that, you know, all the news that comes out day to day, I'm kind of just like, sweet. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe maybe that's not how I should be investing in this one. But I just don't know how to discern between what's FUD and just like the North American narrative trying to be pushed versus like what's actually happening over in China. And when I take a look at Alibaba's fundamentals, like you know, things are still going up. They're kind of being flat recently, but like the fundamentals seem to be okay to me. I mean, China ran that zero COVID policy for a while. So one thing I have followed up on and a prediction I have, which is not financial advice, I do expect to see their revenue and numbers start going back up. China seems to have finally stepped back on that. Uh, they did unfortunately have a COVID surge, but again, thinking of Baba as the Amazon of China, as well as them stretching out their growth arms more into rural China for farmers, as well as into places like Thailand, I think that this company has tons of growth drivers ahead of it, and it's also priced relatively cheaply to its financials, of course, with the risk of them operating in China. 
that's why I'm I'm a hold as well, Daniel. We're very long-term investors, so I've been kind of following your mindset. There's been so much FUD on this stock. I have just kind of turned it off, and I'll look at their financial reports when they come out. I will repeat, though, that one of my theses on this stock was their cloud growth, and I do have big concerns for their cloud growth because it's very hard for me to see companies picking Baba and a company that's controlled by the CCP and the data over a lot of the other options out there across, you know, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. Yeah, I think Europe. I think yeah. Alibaba's cloud will basically grow in China. I think they would struggle to grow massively outside of China, which is kind of like my thoughts on it. But I just think that the stock got so freaking cheap. Like Alibaba, I think, has something around 60 plus billion dollars in cash. And which at one point was more than a third of its market cap because it got down so much. So it was like literally a third of the market cap is in cash. So the enterprise value to operating cash flow got down to five at the low point here. Like that is, that is cheap. So yeah, I just think that it got super cheap. I think that the, uh, the narrative on China is overblown in my opinion. Like think about this. Okay. A couple of months ago, there was every single YouTuber was making videos on how China's housing market was going to collapse and China's economy was going to collapse. And like literally Graham Stephan, every large financial channel was making the same video because it was getting views. And now you don't hear about that. Like China's, China's economy is still here. These companies are still growing. Like that collapse didn't happen that everyone was talking about. So that's what I mean is like, I think that there's a lot of FUD and a lot of just fear-mongering because it gets a lot of views and a lot of clicks and I've seen that even in the finance space on YouTube so I just like ignore it I'm just you know that's just my thoughts agreed yeah all right is there is there any comments that you would like to bring up oh I got this comment here on D local stock this is actually a stock that I was recently taking a look at so this company had a short seller report come out against it here and the stock fell it was like 50% in one day. The stock is actually on one of my watch lists. Um, but this company is basically a payment processing company, from my understanding, in emerging markets like Africa and just around a bunch of emerging markets. And this company's growth is just insane. What did the short selling report say, though? Because is this is this like another luck and coffee type deal? Where they're like, we're making so much money. Uh, psych, we lied. Sorry. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I didn't look into it a lot, but basically the short sale report from the headline said that they were accusing this company of just all of its numbers were fraud. Uh, I mean, was it from Hindenburg? Do you know the short selling firm? Yeah, I know. I know of Hindenburg. I, I like I literally just read the headline. I don't know the specifics on the short sale report. All I know also is that after the short sale report came out, this company bought back their shares and the insiders started buying more shares and they were like, this is just wrong. So Definitely take a look into that if you're going to consider the stock because there was a short seller report that just came out on it. The stock is up 50% since the short seller report. But if you take a look at their revenue growth, since uh, just the first quarter of 2021, they've tripled revenue. So in the past 18 months, they've tripled revenue. And their cash flow is also growing like quite significantly. They, they're a very profitable business. They got a very clean balance sheet. Um, and the insight score is incredibly high. Yeah, That might even like, be higher than Tesla. Yeah, it's a very highly rated stock. Like they have more cash than liabilities. Like their their balance sheet is insane. Their growth is insane. And what's also interesting is their price to free cash flow is only twenty one. So, assuming that they're not committing fraud, yeah, which we don't know. Yeah. So let's just assume for this conversation that no fraud has occurred. Definitely look into that. But, <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> but you know they've tripled revenue over the past eighteen months. They're highly profitable, very clean balance sheet, and a twenty price to free cash flow. Like. 
you know, it looks very, very interesting. Revenue's grown at 124% over the past year, and they have more cash than liabilities. So yeah, assuming the short seller report is false, this company looks very interesting to me. Do you want to take this question? Uh, why is their earnings much lower than free cash flow? Um, I would have to look into that. I would assume it's probably stock-based compensation of some sort. I don't know. I would have to take a look at the SEC filings. Fair enough. But yeah, it looks interesting. Anything, any comments you want to talk about? Uh, we might have done this one before, but I think it's a really interesting one. Uh, any thoughts on Uber? When you and I were looking at Uber, I think in 2019, Daniel, we were both thinking the same thing. The company's revenue was going like this and their losses were going like that. So we were saying, how is this company running? And we were saying, well, it's in other people's money company. Things may be changing. So it could be interesting to bring it up and take a look. Uber is one of those companies where they, I believe, have a, a moat and a duopoly with Lyft around just creating a driver network and like having that entire marketplace work. I think those are very hard to build. And once it has a strong foothold, it's hard to disrupt. I also know that they have been building their deliveries business in New York City. They actually have like Uber copter to the airport in some places, which not that, yeah, I know, not that it's like a huge revenue driver. I'm not sure, but it is one of those businesses where they have a ton of cash. I actually think the CEO is someone who I trust and they have a lot of big backers around them. So there is a potential turnaround play here if they are able to turn their numbers around, turn on the free cash flow spigots and all that. Yeah, I mean, their operating cash flow went from negative 4.2 billion in the second quarter of 2020 to positive now. Um, it looks like it's not really growing any more that much. Like last quarter, it dropped again. So they went from losing billions to, you know, generating some cash flow. Um, their CapEx spend is also low at only 273 million. So they are free cash flow positive, that means. Yep. $500 million in free cash flow. What I'm noticing though, is their operating expenses right here. Well, first off, their cost of revenue is massive at 20 billion. So their gro their gross margin is not high. And then their selling general and administrative expenses is also a billion. So it looks like it costs them a lot to run this money, or sorry, run this company. And um, I imagine that this is probably some sort of stock-based compensation. So I would wanna know like how much are the insiders actually getting? paid here like what yeah i actually have a couple engineering friends that work at uber and i can say most of them are in it for the money uh, this is not a representation sample size to apply to the entire org but you know there are a lot of tech companies out there where the way they get engineers and people to build their product is by giving them tons of stock and i can tell you from personal experience like these people could give less of a crap about the company and they're very unloyal if someone else comes and gives them a better salary offer they'll bounce so that's always been my issue. It's like profitability, like you said, Daniel. And also like, I just want to see them self-sustain and like not have to like dilute or take away from shareholder value. I think it's impressive what they've built and I don't think they're going anywhere, but I really love to invest in profitable businesses that generate free cash flow, like Airbnb. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, okay. I, all right. All right. We got, we got to talk about something here. They got, so their cash position was roughly 13 billion in 2019. It's now come down to about four or 5 billion. Now, you may think that's a lot of cash, right? But they have current liabilities of $9 billion. So uh, they got a net of $5 billion of liabilities coming due within the next year, subtracting their cash position, and the company generates $500 million of free cash flow annually. So that is not a good equation in my head. You know, you got $4 billion of cash, sorry, $5 billion of cash, $9 billion of debt coming due in the next year, 
So you have to come up with $4 billion of cash and you make $500 million of cash a year. So that is a recipe for more debt being taken on or more dilution being taken on if the company does not increase their organic cash flow massively. Can we look at their diluted shares on the income statement? I'm just curious if that's going up over time. It is over time. I don't know what happened right here, but uh, let's take a look since about 2019, quarterly percent change. It looks like they do about 1% dilution. Well, they were doing 5% right here, but 1% dilution a quarter. Are they doing dilution on the cash flow statement though? Yeah, so they do dilute... Um, they do like small amounts of dilution every so often. It looks like half a billion here. They did 8 billion there. That was probably their IPO though. I wonder if this company took on debt also, because that will be interesting to see and in a higher interest rate environment, them seeing they're already very low to nothing cash flows, having to go to service that debt. They are consistently taking on debt. Took on a billion here, 1.3 billion there, 1.1 billion, about a billion here, another 1.4 billion. I feel so like you know what I'm going to say, Daniel. It's like if a company is running and they're not generating their own cash, and they're losing money, as you say, where is that money coming from? It's coming from you or the bank. Yep. You know, like, that's how you'd like. No, Airbnb is generating free cash flow now. It's just like not a lot, and they have a lot of debt. So they generated over a bit. They generated a billion last quarter. A billion of what? About It was uh, free cash flow, just under a billion. I had to go double check. Let me fact check that, but they are generating a lot of free cash flow. They also... Uh, do light stock-based compensation, but have a very high cash position and have their last in the trailing twelve months they've generated five hundred million dollars of cash. In the last quarter, it was three sixty million. Yeah, so if you forward project that, so that's what I put in my uh, okay. So if you thesis. if you forward project that, that's about one point four billion dollars of cash flow a year, yep. and then on a market cap of fifty two billion divided by one point four is a thirty seven thirty seven price to free cash flow forward projected. So not cheap. I think, I just don't think they're there yet for me personally. I want to see more progress being made before I before I think about this one. They got to get their margins up a lot before I get interested. Fair enough. I'm, I'm biting my tongue because you told me I always talk about Airbnb on the stream. We talk about Airbnb a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This is an interesting question here. I am considering selling my position in VIP and using it to buy BAM. What do you think is better? So personally, this is just my opinion. I like BAM more. BIP has a lot of debt, and let's take a look at BIPs. That's it. Daniel, you are going to kill me, but I do have to correct. On Stock Unlock, we're showing $959 million of free cash flow for Airbnb last quarter. What? What am I looking at wrong? I don't know. Quarterly. Uh, also, their free cash flow yield literally right now today is 5.72%, and they're trading at a 1748 uh, price free. Okay, what numbers are you looking at? I'm not seeing the same numbers here at all. Financials quarterly on free cash flow. So does your screen look different than mine? Yes. Okay, I don't know why that's happening. I'm I'm looking at Uber right now. Oh, I was talking about Airbnb. Oh my goodness, dude. Okay. <laughs> Bloop, blooper on the stream. All right, Daniel, take us back to uh, take us back to reality. Yeah, we're not talking about Airbnb. <laughs> All right. I just yeah, I just wanted to correct what was said before. Okay. Um. So Bam, or sorry, BIP has a four point three seven percent dividend right now. Um. Let's go over to Bam. And let's do, I believe they said their dividend is going to be 1.28. So if we go 1.28 dividend divided by, let's say, $30 share price today, this means that BAM has a dividend of about 4.26%. So basically, BAM has the same dividend yield right now-ish as BIP, but BIP does not have as clean of a balance sheet. 
and I believe they're projecting to grow this dividend at about 6% annually, 6 to 9% annually, whereas BAM is projecting to grow it at 15 to 20% annually. So basically you're getting the same dividend yield, but with BAM, it's a lot more, it's projected to grow much more rapidly and the company has a much cleaner balance sheet. So for those reasons, I actually do think that BAM is a more attractive dividend stock than BIP right now. You have a really good question here, Daniel, from a repeat viewer. It's nice to see you again, Oswin. What's the new PTP dividend tax effect on BIP or on the new BAM? I am not too sure. Do you know the answer? I, I'm not a tax professional. I have no idea. Fair enough. I, I hire an accountant to do all my taxes, so I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what this is going to do. Yeah, everyone in the comments is like, Jake was looking at BNB, you're looking at Uber. Sorry, everyone. I know. <laughs> I clearly missed what was happening there. Well, yeah, we're doing it live and like we're humans too. So th thank you guys for uh, the understanding there. A little little live blooper for everyone, but actually that could be a game, right? Like talk about two random numbers is like try to figure out which stock we're talking about. Because <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, I did a lot of research on Airbnb and I'm going to be embarrassed as hell if I'm just like wrong about the free cash flow number that was reported. And I was just like, oh, like, okay, but we're moving on because this is a slippery slope for me. Stop me from talking about Airbnb for the, the love of the stream. <laughs> All right. So we got a comment here on Infosys. This is a Indian company. I'm bullish on India. So I've uh, taken a look at this business before. I do not own it. And the reason I do not own it is because I think that it is not the cheapest stock in the market. Um, basically, they're price to free cash flow. So first off, take a look at what happened here. So their stock was, you know, doing decent pre-COVID. And then when COVID happened, it shot up like this. It went up, you know, about 277% within a year. And if you take a look at their financials, their financials did not grow 277% over that same time frame. So what that means is the stock price ran much more fast than the than the fundamentals. And the, basically the price to free cash flow went from about 24 pre-COVID all the way up to 36, still about 33 right now. So I don't think that it's the cheapest stock because also if you take a look at bond yields versus the stock's free cash flow yield, Infosys has a lower free cash flow yield than a bond. And basically that just means it's pretty freaking expensive. So <clears throat> I like the stock. I think it's a great company. I actually think it's a very great company, but its price is still just too high for me <clears throat> personally. What would you like to see it come down to in terms of like a price to free cash flow basis for you to get a little more interested in this stock? I don't know. At least well, they're all low, lower. <laughs> lower. At 25, I would look at it again, but fair enough. At 30, it's just too, still too expensive for me. Honestly, so, yeah, okay. I, I think 20 to 25, I'd be interested in it. Right, I'm going to be the uh, time police here a little bit. It looks like we have been streaming for almost an hour and a half. I know we lose track of time doing this. Maybe we'll take a couple more from the chat and wrap it up. What are you thinking, Daniel? Yeah, sure. I can feel my voice starting to go, so I should probably get off soon. All right. Uh, for everyone in the chat, we really appreciate all the interactions today. If there's any stocks you'd like us to end on, please drop them. We will not be able to get all to them, to all of them, but we will do our best. See any here that are catching your eye? I don't know what GDI is. Have we done that one yet? I do not know what GDI is. Oh, actually, a lot of people have been asking about Shopify, too. That's like a really interesting one. That was a COVID darling. Um, I think we've talked about Shop on the stream before. I don't love Shopify because its margins are low. Let's do this one. Tepicus. So when do you like Tepicus? Let's take full disclosure. I own shares in this business. You're going to have to educate me a little bit on what this business does. I have never heard of this in my life. Think of Berkshire Hathaway, but 
in the tech world. So they they take the sounds great. They take their organic cash flow and they invest that cash flow into acquiring other businesses. They're just like an acquisition machine in the uh, in the tech world. And is it safe to say, Daniel, that when they acquire them, they also operate them? So if you were to analyze this company, you'd have to look at the suite of businesses they own and like look at them individually. Um, I personally would not do that because they own hundreds of companies. So that's so. So the reason why I ask is I like to have a very deep understanding of any company that I own or stock, with the exception of an ETF, if I'm trying to get someone else to do the work for me. So, what an approach do you? take on this when there's too many companies owned by the conglomerate to analyze them. I take a look at performance and management. Let's do it. So here's the thing. Typicus was a spin-out of Constellation Software. I've talked about Constellation Software on the streams before. I think that this is probably one of the best companies out there in terms of creating shareholder value. I don't know if there's another company out there that is so focused on shareholder value as much as this. And when you take a look at the returns this stock has offered versus the spy like they're a uh, 11,800% versus the spy's 218%. Like it this this company is incredible. Back After, to what is that? 2005? Yeah, 2005. And like if you take a look over like every single time frame this stock outperforms the S&P 500 by a lot because wow. they're so focused on shareholder value. Like the employees of this business, CSU, they are incentivized to own stock and they get rewarded with stock options only if they make the stock price go up. So it's like their 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 employee compensation is is just confusing but also incredible. Anyways, Constellation Software. This company is now spinning off some of its smaller businesses. It's the parent company of Tipicus. So Tipicus is basically a small Constellation Software that has a $5 billion market cap. And I like this because it's easier to grow from a lower base, right? Exactly. Yeah. So basically, Constellation Software is now spinning off some of their businesses so that investors can get more of that growth. Um, so yeah, I like this company. It's owned by Constellation Software. It's got the same management principles, the same shareholder value principles, and at a lower price with more growth potential, in my opinion. So I like it. It's got a 4.76% free cash flow yield. I don't think it's overly expensive right now. And um, yeah, I'm just going to hold it for the long term. I'm going to put this one on, on my watch list, look into it a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this is a, I think this is a very nice stock in my opinion. And I don't think it's very expensive right now. Love that. Yeah. That's like the quick summary, but yeah, my voice is hurting. So I should probably have <laughs> logged off. Yeah. Well, well, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we went over 300 viewers at one point. And just to remind everyone, Daniel and I are two out of three co-founders of Stock Unlock, dropping the link in the chat. That's the website we've been building. We are full-time founders of this business. So we really appreciate the support, appreciate you guys coming back every week. And as we said at the beginning of the stream, Daniel is going to be taking a very well-deserved, long backpacking trip in Asia. So we will not be streaming at predictable times. However, we always post the recordings. So again, thank you so much. If we missed your comments, we do our best to get to all of them. So, you know, come back maybe next week or next time we stream, which is a big question mark. I mean, you might have some cool background. Yeah, I plan on streaming at least once a week. Like, I would love to keep these going while I'm gone. Um, I am going to be exploring Asia for 86 days, about three months. So that's, again, like the streams are probably not going to be consistent. And at this time next week, I'm going to be in Thailand, dude. That's wild. I'm so excited for you, man. I, I expect some pictures at least. So that would be yeah, absolutely <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. But uh, yeah, so basically next week, the live stream is up in the air right now. I don't know when it's going to happen. 
So we're just going to have to keep everyone updated, I guess. If you want to be updated, I would say the best place is probably our newsletter or our Discord. Hey, Jake? Yeah, uh, I dropped a link to our Discord before. I'll do that again. Our Discord is totally free and it will stay free. And it's a great place to continue the conversation. There's a lot of smart folks in there just, you know, having really good non-hype conversations about stocks, talking about financials and, you know, no pump and dumping crap like that. So I'm going to drop that link right now. Just got it. Yeah. So if you guys want to stay up to date with when we're going to be posting or doing live streams, I think the Discord would be the best place. Um, One thing I, I do know, Daniel, is we will be dropping our portfolio tracker, which has been in development for about five months. So for those of you who have been waiting for that, this month is definitely the month. Uh, it has been very long in the making, and we're really excited to release that to you. So in addition to Stock Unlock also helping you with education research analysis, you will now also be able to track your portfolios in there. Tons of great features around dividends and really great insights that we just have found other sites are providing, which is why we built it. So excited to drop that. I guess we yeah. should also say that our price is going to increase on February 1st, right? For anyone who is not already subscribed, yes, we are currently priced at $6.99 or $74.99 USD. Please note that prices will change for Canada and Europe. We will be raising those to $9.99 and $99.99. However, we will be honoring and keeping all existing subscribers' prices the same. So for anyone who is an early adopter, we love you. We appreciate the support. and We want to honor you by not raising the price for you if you joined before then. So maybe that's a good, good way to end, right? Yeah, so basically everyone who is a subscriber of Stock Unlock before February 1st will not have your price increased. And then after February 1st, the price is going to be increased for all new members. So if you have been wanting a Stock Unlock subscription and you want to save money, go get your subscription before February 1st because then your price will not increase. Buy our stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I hope everyone has a great weekend. And Daniel, sending you off to Asia with, uh, you know, Waving from the shoreline. So have a great trip. Thank you. It will be All great. Right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.